Good evening, everyone. My name is Jack Thomas, and this is Digging Through the Scraps with Junk Lord Jack, a show where I bring you outrageous and often overlooked stories and opinions from, well, anywhere I can find them. I hope you all have had a wonderful week and are looking forward to your weekend. So I want to begin this episode. The first thing I want to do is address some comments and questions regarding both last episode and format for the show as a whole. So let's begin. Comment number one comes directly from my old friend Steve. Steve said that last episode felt a little timid and asked if I was playing it safe. Well, yes, Steve, I was playing it safe. And the reason for that being is I don't want anyone to have their first impression of me, possibly be me dropping a lot of F-bombs or defending the potential bullying of children. So yes, I did play the last episode a little bit safe. But this week... Well, the stories this week, we have to turn up the heat a little bit, and I think you will be impressed if you stick around. I also received a formatting question in regards to an idea for a segment I kicked around called Interview with a Rando. You see, I live in a highly touristy area. I had this idea before the podcast was officially a thing where I would go around and interview random people that we found around town and potentially get them to say something bizarre on microphone. Well, everybody, that segment is still coming. It's just a matter of how to get it done, and thankfully for me, Anchor FM, who host my actual podcast location, they um, they have this ability on their app where you can record people directly from the phone and then upload it to the podcast. So it's coming, I just gotta test around with it and see how it works. If you have any comments or suggestions for news stories, feel free to tweet at me at junklordjackyt, you know. Or you can come up and scream in my face if you see me out in public. Either one works for me, honestly. All right, so let's get into our very first story of the day. Our first story today comes to us behalf of the Huffington Post, and it's titled, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is Problematic. Have you guys seen this garbage? So apparently, HuffPo tweeted out a video criticizing the old 1964 Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. They're calling it problematic, which, for those that don't know, is a word typically used by entitled college kids when they say something makes them uncomfortable. Their little video presents a few points that they think is some type of slam-dunk evidence that this movie encourages racial discrimination. So let's go ahead and just break down their argument, shall we? The argument being presented by HuffPo basically starts with Rudolph's father, Donner, is verbally abusive because he tells Rudolph to wear his nose cover. And when Rudolph doesn't want to, the father claims that you'll like it and you'll wear it. The father then goes on to say that self-respect is more important than comfort. Yeah, that's it. That's somehow verbal abuse. Remember when your parents would make you put on your church clothes, or when your work makes you wear a uniform instead of letting you dress in a latex gimp suit? Yeah, apparently according to the asinine opinion of the geniuses over at HuffPo, that's verbal abuse. So next time you show up to your job at Taco Bell and the manager asks where your uniform shirt is, or why you aren't wearing your visor, just tell them that it's verbally abusive to make someone wear a uniform, and if they continue trying to demand that you do so, you'll call HR. Also, on a quick side note that has nothing to do with the rest of my argument, Donner, Rudolph's father, is absolutely right when he says that there are things in life that are more important than comfort. Seriously, I may be more comfortable shopping for groceries in the nude while experimenting with myself in front of the deli counter, but nobody, and I mean nobody, is going to argue with me that being comfortable with my sexual deviancy is more important than their right to shop in a safe and clean environment. <laughs> so now that I've told you all about a normal Saturday for me, let's get back to the actual story. 
Their next claim is that the coach in the movie is encouraging bullying for not letting Rudolph participate in the reindeer games. This one I don't really have an argument against, except for the fact that this scene in the movie is just referencing a throwaway line in the original poem. And also, the protagonists and stories are supposed to overcome adversity, and that Rudolph as a whole is about accepting and forgiveness. But I'll come back to that later. But aside from that, yeah, the coach is absolutely encouraging bullying. HuffPo later implies that the movie encourages old-school traditional family structure when Donner tells his wife that she doesn't need to help him look for Rudolph because it's, and I quote, man's work. Now, HuffPo is completely using this line out of context. Donner isn't saying in a vacuum that looking for a runaway child is left up to men alone and that women should just stay in the kitchen. He is saying that he, as a father, feels it's his duty as a father to find his runaway son, talk to him in a father-son context, and bring him back home. Also, Rudolph's mother doesn't have antlers to defend herself, and the abominable snowman is out in the blizzard trying to eat reindeer. I mean, what kind of husband intentionally puts his wife into danger that way? But no. Apparently, not wanting your loved one to do something potentially fatal is problematic. Like, what happens if they both go out, and they both die, and then little Rudolph comes home anyways because it's all a giant big misunderstanding, and now he has no parents because one of them couldn't stay home? We both know that Rudolph is going to starve to death and die because it's obvious that no one else in that little community is going to help him. So thanks, HuffPo. You're encouraging the death of a small reindeer. Okay, so what's the next part? Oh yeah, that Clarice's father is a bigot. Now there's one thing I want to make very plain. No doe of mine is going to be seen with a red-nosed reindeer. Well, yeah, no shit he's a bigot. That's kind of the purpose of this movie. It's absolutely a story about discrimination, and I mentioned this previously, but I'm going to go ahead and expand on that point here. This movie, technically a TV special, debuted in 1964. Now I know for a fact that the majority of people complaining about this being problematic weren't alive in 1964, so I'll just go ahead and explain to you what was going on in the United States during that time period. The mid-60s were a time in this country where we were right in the middle of the civil rights movement. Hell, Martin Luther King Jr. had just won the Nobel Peace Prize less than two months before this TV special ever aired for the first time. The writers for Rudolph were agreeing with Dr. King and other civil rights leaders that people should not be treated differently for being a minority. Santa and the rest of the reindeer discover that Rudolph's diverse background gives him a unique advantage into an otherwise completely devastated situation. Isn't this what these so-called progressives over at Huffington Post have been advocating for all these years? That we should listen to those with different backgrounds because they have unique experiences. And by doing so, we create a better world instead of just giving up and letting the blizzard derail our work, or letting the abominable snowman kill us all. HuffPo, you're being intentionally manipulative of the woke crowd and are actively stirring up drama by pointing out snapshots of discrimination without providing any proper context on how the story is supposed to bring people together despite their differences. You know, like Dr. King actually wanted. And one more point I want to provide, and then we can just move on to the next story because I actually want to know, have people actually jumped up so far their own asses to the point that they believe making a story about someone overcoming discrimination is now encouraging discrimination? And people wonder why I called the Huffington Post a trash rag. Okay, let's move on to the next story. It's time, everyone. It is officially time to stop using speciest anti-animal language when we speak to one another. Yep, that's right. According to PETA, yeah, that PETA, we need to change 
figures of speech that have been common in the English language for hundreds of years because our words are offensive to animals. A few days ago, PETA tweeted out a list of changes to idioms that we should all adopt because, and I quote, just as it's become unacceptable to use racist, homophobic, or ableist language, phrases that trivialize cruelty to animals will vanish as more people begin to appreciate animals for who they are. As you can probably guess, this didn't go down well with the majority of Twitter users. Most people immediately began clowning PETA for this incredibly stupid statement, and from what I can tell, the vast majority of responses they have gotten have just been overall negative. Now look, I'll admit, at first, I thought PETA was just trolling everyone. The words they use in their little press release include all the buzzwords used by modern progressives to piss off people on the modern right. I mean, they hit all of the go-to words like social justice, racism, ableism, evolution of language, on and on and on and on. Now listen, if this was trolling, this would be masterclass trolling as it makes an absolute mockery of the ideas that progressives seem to believe while simultaneously perking up the ears of all the conservatives. However, it, it seems like PETA's genuine, which makes this story go from us all laughing at people reacting to PETA to us all laughing at PETA again. So I'm going to read off their suggestions for how we should change our language to be a little more inclusive of animals provide my thoughts, and do my best to get through this little bit here with a straight face. Okay, first, they want us to stop saying kill two birds with one stone, and instead say feed two birds with one scone. Does Peter realize that scones have sugar in them, and that, you know, high amounts of sugar will kill animals? Also, isn't one of PETA's arguments against domesticated animals the idea that feeding them and taking care of them makes them no longer able to feed and take care of themselves? So, congratulations, PETA. You're still encouraging people to kill birds. They're just doing it in a different way now. Guess those, those damn birds with their hollow bones and ability to fly, they don't, they don't find themselves very high up on the intersexual hierarchy of animals, do they, PETA? They also say that we should change be the guinea pig to be the test tube, beat a dead horse to feed a fed horse, and take the bull by the horns becomes take the flower by the thorns. However, hands down, the dumbest part of this press release and the dumbest suggestion that PETA makes is that we change the phrase, bring home the bacon to bring home the bagels. So much so, by the way, that after they were called out for this, they doubled down and changed their Twitter username to PETA bringing home the bagel since 1980. I'm not bullshitting you. You can absolutely go look this up right now. So right off the bat, I have to ask, does anyone ever actually say bring home the bacon? Like, I'm closer to 30 than I am to 20, and I have never ever heard anyone in my age range use this phrase. On top of that, what if, what if somebody has celiac disease? Doesn't bring home the bagels exclude those people? Is it not offensive to tell some poor fat kid who farts his way into a world-class hernia when he eats too much gluten that he should bring home the bagels? Not a good look, PETA. 
not a good look at all. And that's definitely saying something when it comes to an organization that kidnapped a little girl's dog and murdered it because they believe that pet ownership is a form of involuntary bondage. Yeah, you heard me right. PETA got into some shit not that long ago for kidnapping a chihuahua named Maya that belonged to a nine-year-old girl and they put it down. Scumbags. Flat-out scumbags. So if you want to talk things like social justice, then let's talk about Maya and justice for Maya and all those other animals that your organization has stolen from caring families and murders every year. How about that? And folks, this is just one case of PETA getting caught. They've admitted for years to euthanizing animals. And if you own a pit bull, then congratulations, because your dog just jumped to the top of their kill list. PETA wants animals to be treated like humans. Well, then by that logic, when are we going to put PETA on trial for genocide? So, everyone, when you see PETA say something stupid like changing the nature of our language, a language that animals don't even speak or understand, just remember that while it's never okay to make fun of someone for who they are, it is perfectly acceptable to laugh and make fun of people for what they do or what they say. So we'll all just continue pointing and laughing at PETA for being so hypocritical and so stupid that what they said has made its way to this podcast. And if you really, really want to get on their nerves, just go tweet directly at them with the hashtag Justice for Maya. I'm sure they'll get the picture. Well, everyone, that's going to do it for today's episode of Digging Through the Scraps with Junk Lord Jack. But before I go, I want to know what you think because this is a conversation. If you have something you want to say, send me a message on Twitter at JunkLordJackYT. I'll respond to you as wholeheartedly as I possibly can on the next episode. Until then, Enjoy your weekend, everyone. This is Jack Thomas, signing off.